Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. One of the most rewarding and joyful aspects of marriage is having a healthy sexual relationship. And on the flip side, it can also be one of the more frustrating and confusing aspects of marriage as well. I hear both sides of it in my practice. I hear couples that are really feeling connected and safe and loved in this area. And I hear from couples that want nothing to do with it, or they feel so overwhelmed by it, or so insecure or unsure about it and have so many questions. Well, today my guest is Tammy Hill, and she is a sexuality professor who teaches courses on marriage and sexuality at Brigham Young University. And she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and has done a tremendous amount of great work educating and teaching and writing about these issues, about how to create healthy sexuality in marriage. So many of the couples that listen to this podcast, people that I work with, have a special interest in this area because there's usually been some form of sexual betrayal. And so therefore, the sexual relationship usually changes. It can feel unsafe. It can feel suspect. It can feel overwhelming. It can be full of loss and grief and sadness that things have changed and confusion about how to get back to a safe place or create a safe relationship in the first place. So there can be a lot of effort expended trying to make this area feel safe and feel right. And that's exactly what Tammy and I are going to talk about today in this interview. I invited her on the podcast because I think she's one of the best voices out there about how to build loving and safe, healthy sexuality in a marriage. She is an author. She's a podcaster. She has a podcast called Live Your Why. And she and her husband, Jeff Hill, have a combined family with 12 children, 35 grandchildren, and more on the way. Tammy is just a great voice. She's very gentle, very appropriate, very just healthy in talking about these things. I just love the way she approaches these things. So I'm excited to talk with her today about creating safe sexual relationship in marriage. And even though we're going to talk about this stuff in the context of betrayal and addiction and helping couples who are in crisis really navigate this, just about everything we talk about, well, everything we talk about is also applicable to couples that are just wanting to build healthy sexuality in their marriage. There's so much that goes into it. And the more education we have, the more understanding we have around these things, the more we communicate about these things, the better chance we have of creating something really beautiful and really safe and loving and connecting. All right, guys, let's jump into my interview with Tammy Hill. Welcome to the podcast, Tammy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jeff. I'm so happy that you would ask me to come. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. I'm excited to talk about this topic. I get asked a lot with the couples that I work with, 
really this idea of safety. And it's funny, I think it's one of those words that, especially around sexual safety, you know, we talk about safe sex, you know, in terms of sex education, it usually involves like condoms or, or, you know, those kinds of things. But we're talking about emotional safety. We're talking about relationship safety. And this comes up a lot for couples, especially when there's been some sort of injury or betrayal. But I've even seen it with couples where there's not been a history of any kind of major betrayal. So I'd love to start off this conversation with getting your kind of your take on really what just what you think safety is and how we define it. It can be such a vague word for people. Yeah, that it is. And when you don't feel safe, it's going to feel painful. It's going to feel anxious and kind of scary to move forward. For me, safety is that you're showing up, that the real you is coming forward in the relationship. You're able to share your thoughts, your feelings, your concerns, be able to ask questions, to be understood. Those are things to me that create a lot of safety within a particular, well, in any relationship, but I think we're talking mostly about marriage here. You have to feel like you're totally you Mm -hmm. when you're with someone. To me, that's what feeling safe is. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I actually didn't expect that to be the first answer. I don't know what I expected, but I didn't see that one coming. And I love that because what as I'm listening to you talk about it, I hear a lot of the couples I've worked with, especially those who have been betrayed, where there's been secrecy or manipulation or lies or or things like that. One of the biggest questions is, well, who who are you? And you know, what are you doing in my bedroom? <laughs> it's, it's like I don't even know <laughs> who this person is anymore. And so if you don't feel like you know who's in this intimate space with you then you can't be yourself. You're Mm -hmm. not free to be open anymore. It's like stranger Mm -hmm. danger. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you can feel like it it can feel dangerous Mm -hmm. sometimes. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And so so a lot of, I mean, the different scenarios that I guess we're talking about as far as safety can be, of course, betrayal. But there's also other ways that people don't feel like they're, I guess, comfortable or safe in their own skin. And that can be, you know, people that have been abused even in childhood or in previous yeah. relationships, even gender role expectations, yeah. couples conflict. There can be lots of things that just make it hard to feel relaxed and open and be yourself with other people. And so, you know, when you're feeling unsafe, when you're feeling like things, like you're not yourself, or you can't be yourself with your partner, you don't feel open. How in the world do couples begin talking about this stuff? How do you talk about not feeling safe? How do you start to explore this without making things worse? Well, I love this question. And I think for a couples, it might be different. You know, the different dynamics, this conversation could go down so differently. I actually met with a couple just this morning who the wife has been a stay-at-home mom through COVID. Her husband's working at home now and has decided to come full-time home with work. And she was describing how she doesn't feel like she can be herself at home anymore. And this is a healthy, fairly healthy marriage. If she wants to lay down in the afternoon to rest or to read, she feels guilty like he's going to find her resting. And that makes her feel really unsafe. And so, you know, that's real different than being in a relationship where you have been betrayed or abused. I know, but I think conversations, you need to come from a place where you're seeking understanding. Mm-hmm. You're you're married to this person who really should be your dearest friend. And Gottman talks even more. This last week, he came out with more 
evidence that the thing that we need most in marriage is dear friendship. And if we can really strive to be each other's friends and get to a place that we are listening to understand and appreciate each other, I think that is an environment that allows safety to be able to talk about hard things. I know that when you've been betrayed, that's hard to find and that can be painful. I think sometimes things that happened even before we were married trigger Mm -hmm. responses that you're having in marriage. If you had, when you grew up, if you had a home where marriage wasn't healthy, wasn't modeled in a healthy way for you, you come into your own marriage and you default to everything that you learned in childhood, which then leads to unhealthy interactions. So processing what you learned in childhood and picking from it what you're going to keep and what you're going to leave behind can really create an opportunity for you to come front and center and be choosing intentionally how you're going to relate within your own marriage. I love that. Looking for how to talk safely about things. There just needs to be, if the marriage is going to be a number one priority, if you scale one to 10, how much are you in this relationship? Mm. 10 is I'm all in and you're both all in or even higher than five to 10. It's time to create an environment where you have to put safety, friendship and understanding at the heart of it and start there. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like even just commitment can like a lack of commitment or insecure commitment can just leave somebody feeling so unsafe. And then they may, they may use sex or they may use other things to try and secure that connection, but then they feel even more vulnerable and they feel even more insecure because now they've given more. And so I love all the different, you know, the the different range of, of ways that we can feel unsafe. I mean, this example with this woman who's working from home and, or, you know, her husband's around. And I mean, again, some people may look at that and think, Oh, well, that's like nothing compared to what I've been through. Right, right. That's not your point. You're not comparing. You're saying safety can be such a delicate thing and we can feel disturbed or we can feel disconnected or pulled in or off from the simplest things. And we got to pay attention to those because those can get in the way of helping us relax and enjoy closeness Mm -hmm. with our partner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in marriage, we, as best as possible, need to do our individual work so that we can come together as two wholehearted individuals ready to to play, to work, and to communicate, do anything we need to do to make this marriage work and this family system work. But like I said, I, I, th- I think you have to do a lot of that work, perhaps individually, to get to a place of alignment and wholeheartedness that you can then bring into the relationship. There's a lot of... and. I think sometimes people think that if you're having a hard time, that this is a, a challenge for you to move through, that, that that's a, a disadvantage. And I disagree with that. I think any work that we do through, that we go through where we're improving and really growing in the process is going to benefit in the long run. It's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit any relationship you're in. When you've gone through something difficult, betrayal, whatever it is, going to moving through it is creating improvement. Mm, yes, I agree. Yeah. This idea that if, if I bring something up, it's going to make things worse. I honestly think if anything you bring up, unless you're going to abuse your partner, <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure. We'll just sort of take that one off the table. But if, okay. but if you're bringing things up, 
in an effort to try and get closer or get connected or to share what's going on for you and you're you're leaning into vulnerability if that does make things worse in the tens of rea- in the, in terms of like reactivity or your partner becoming abusive or something awful happens that probably is a good like a good bunch of feedback for you in terms of just sure. understanding what you're really dealing with in this relationship so in some ways you can't lose you're going to find out what the truth is you're going to find out what you really have to work with absolutely and if it does move into something that is abusive and unhealthy it's time to leave oh yeah yeah, you have to re- really reevaluate exactly what you're dealing with here. And if there's no no desire to change or do something different, it's not going to be safe. I mean, you you can't keep trying to find safety alone in a relationship. Absolutely. Like it is, it is co-created and it's something that both people have to agree to. And yeah, and I'm thinking about taking personal responsibility for your own feelings of safety when we talk about the question of, well, how do you how do you bring this up? Well, I I think you have an individual responsibility. If you're feeling unsafe, you have to say something about it because there's no way your partner's going to know. I'm thinking about an experience I had the day before my wedding. My wife and I, we were both virgins when we got married. And so, you know, the sexual sexual stuff for us was brand new. We, you know, neither one of us knew what was going to happen. And we're sitting there in the car picking up my tuxedo. And my wife turns, or my fiance at the time, almost my wife, <laughs> turns to me and says, Jeff, she's like crying. I just picked up my tux. We're about to head off to where we're going to go get married the next day. And we were so excited. And she turns to me and starts crying. And she says, Jeff, please don't hurt me tomorrow. And I was like, what the heck? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to hurt you. Like I was, I could not believe that she was so scared. And as we talked about it, she had just received some messages from conversations she'd had about other people's first sexual experiences where the guy had been really aggressive or really insensitive. And so she was playing these through her mind about what it was going to be like. And it was awesome because then we could have a chance and talk about and be prepared and really give each other a lot of reassurance, but me, especially to her, that I wasn't going to hurt her. Mm -hmm. And I would have had no idea had she just bit her tongue, held her breath and just muscled through it. I think it would have been a very different experience for her and for both of us had she just kept that to herself. And so even though I hadn't done anything wrong, she still felt unsafe based on previous messages. And I think wherever the lack of safety comes from, you have to speak up about it. Mm -hmm. You got to take charge of it. Nobody's going to know except you. That's such a great story. And it made me remember a conversation and I teach at BYU. And yesterday in my marriage preparation class, we're talking about early marriage transition on wedding night, honeymoon and all that in my lecture. And one of the students said something about, well, it's going to hurt. And I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be bad or it's not going to work out. She was quite afraid. And it's a big auditorium filled with students. And the question that she asked was, is he just going to like force himself to come inside me whenever he's ready? And I backed up a little bit with that idea. I'm talking about sexually, of course. And sure. that like, how many of you here have the idea that that when your husband's ready to penetrate, he's just going to penetrate and you don't have a voice in that? And more than half of my students believed that mm. yesterday. And I so we had a great conversation on consent and invitation. This is this is a marriage relationship. You are husband and wife. This is a wife's body and she invites you into it. And you don't go in until you are invited into it. 
just having that one little, you know, maybe five minute conversation at tops, I think awakened a lot of these beautiful, bright students into realizing, yeah, there's a lot that has to be communicated sexually with each other in order to build that trust and safety within a relationship. And knowing that you need to be invited or you have the responsibility when you're ready to invite your husband inside of you seem to create a lot of freedom for them. That's incredible. Wow. That was yesterday. I was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of work to do, don't we, Tammy? <laughs> oh my gosh. I keep thinking we're getting better. And I do believe it's overall we are getting better, but I still sometimes am dumbfounded. Yeah. Well, and it's as I'm sitting here listening to this incredible story, I'm thinking, okay, wow, here's an auditorium of who knows how many hundreds of kids and over half of the women in there are feeling really unsafe, right? Like they have this belief that they're just going to have to like, get through something that's going to be out of their control. Right. And that's, a, again, like my wife's story, like there's, there's, a level of, there's a level of discomfort and unsafety that, you know, any, anybody listening to this or anybody who's, who's going into this experience or any experience where you're getting close to somebody, you have to speak up and say, can we do this a different way? Or I'm feeling uncomfortable with this, or I'm not so sure. Can we talk about it? I mean, if you're feeling unsafe and you're in a good, stable, solid, loving relationship, it really should go well if you bring it up. Yes, and it, like, and like we said earlier, if it doesn't go well, then that's an indicator the relationship needs some more work. Right. And I always say, if there's something that you're feeling hesitant about bringing up mm-hmm. because you don't know how well your partner's going to receive it, you need to bring it up. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's a sign that you absolutely right. need to bring it up. <laughs> Oh my right. goodness. Yeah. So, so I guess the short answer on how do couples begin exploring this? Well, the person who feels unsafe has really the responsibility. And of course we can be sensitive and aware and maybe look for signs as the other partner. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes into some of this stuff around friendship and tuning in and paying attention, which I think is wise, right? I think that it takes both people to create that, that level of safety and connection. But ultimately I would have had no idea how my wife's at the time, right. not said anything. And so I, I think that, that we have to take charge and, you know, take initiative. So we, if we don't speak up for ourselves, no one will. No. And we, we must show up. That's what I mean by showing up. Yeah. I love that. We show up. Yeah. And expect it, expect mm-hmm. it, expect to be safe. Cause if your partner's not going to help you be safe, you can still create safety for yourself by setting boundaries, not allowing certain things to happen. And ultimately, as you said, even exiting the relationship, if it's, if it's just gets to that point. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about sexual safety. Again, this, this is a question that comes up all the time because I work with so many couples that are dealing with betrayal. They're, they're dealing with a major crisis or some major breach of trust. And so there's this sort of overhanging sort of pressure and expectation of what do we do with sex? Like if, you know, how does it fit into our relationship or does it, or what are we supposed to do with it? Cause it just doesn't go away automatically. It's just always there as part of the, the marriage relationship. And so people don't know, really know how to deal with it. So I guess my question for you is let's, let's sort of define, like when you think of a sexually safe relationship, we talked about just safety, being able to be yourself, but if we're going to talk about a sexually safe relationship, Tammy, what, what do you see as the hallmarks of, of that? What a beautiful question. Hallmarks of a sexually safe relationship, I think, needs to come with creative passion. Mm. That when you're coming together, you both feel that you have voice in what it is you're choosing to experience together. 
that there's safety in you to feel passion. Oftentimes, we're afraid of our eroticism. And mm-hmm. we're that's just part of us that we've never shared with another person, particularly in a marriage where you're, you know, monogamous and waiting to have sex until you're married. That's a piece of you maybe you're not really familiar with. And when you start having those erotic thoughts and ideas or start even experiencing fantasy, that can be kind of frightening. But those are conversations that within the context of your marriage, you need to be having, Mm -hmm. absolutely need to be having. The idea that I think safety comes that sex gives you a sense, should give you a sense of well-being. Overall, when you're sharing yourself sexually and enjoying your sexual relationship in marriage, you should feel good. It Mm -hmm. should be something that's that's enjoyable and gives you a feeling of belonging and peace and just overall well-being. I think that's a sign of safety. I think recognizing that sexuality plays different roles within a marriage at different times. Sometimes when you are making love, it's, you know, it's making repairs. It's after you've worked through something you've been struggling on, and then you kind of finally come together in this loving way and it it just feels like we're finally back on the same page. It can be something that is totally playful and fun with role playing and lots of just interactions that are engaging and creative. It can be something that's very spiritual when you're coming together and sharing something together in a spiritual way. There can be times when you feel more complete with yourself, integrated with yourself and with God than at any other time when you can bring that spiritual role into your lovemaking. I just think recognizing that it's not always just going to be about pleasure. Mm -hmm. There's other aspects in a safe sexual relationship that sex plays. And that's an important thing to recognize. Knowing that it's not only fulfilling you physically, but it also should be fulfilling you emotionally. Right. That you know, you're connecting in an an emotional way, both of you to one another, where it brings such goodness and love and friendship within your relationship. It's something to celebrate. It's something where, you know, the more I read about body image and and women, uh, that's a real issue that sometimes gets in the way of sexuality. I think if you are really having a sexually safe relationship, as a woman or as a man, you're not going to be worrying about your performance or the way you look. You're going to be there. Mm -hmm. You're just going to be there with how your body responds and how you are in the moment. And I think you, we actually kind of, we don't do sex. I mean, a lot of times we feel like we have to do sex for someone else or to feel a duty for our spousal role But I think in real safe sex, you're becoming sex. You're becoming more sexual as you make love together. It's just naturally part of you that you're um, sharing within the relationship. Those are the first things that come to my mind when I think of what a sexually safe relationship might look like. What do you think? Wow. I think I'm taking it all in. I think I want to go hit rewind and listen to that again. <laughs> oh, you're so great. There's just, you. A, there's just a lot there. And I think that the last one you said to me was, I mean, I, the first thing you said, you talked about creative, you called it creative passion. Creative passion. Uh-huh. I love that phrase, first of all. 
because I do think that sex, healthy sex, safe sex in a relationship is creative in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often think of it like adult play to like two adults kind of going into this sort of sandbox and, <laughs> and they're just kind of going to see what happens, right? It's just like, it's not, it shouldn't be like synchronized and, and scripted or whatever. It, it ought to be something that's vulnerable and open. And not that couples don't get into routines or ruts occasionally, but it's, it's really an opportunity to explore and be free and be open and create together. And boy, to do that, you have to be safe with another person to take risks right. and open up. And right. so that's a good sign. And we're really just talking about hallmarks of it. So you can sort of look at your own sexual relationship with your partner and say, do I feel safe? This last thing you said, though, really, really caught my attention, which is this idea that we do sex versus what was it like, per, like grow sexually? Yeah, to be sex. To, to, to be, be sexual, sexual, right? Versus just doing it, but mm-hmm. to versus embracing it. Because so many couples that I work with, especially women that have been betrayed, I hear this a lot, which is, I feel like if I don't do this, he's going to right, fill in the blank. He's going to look at pornography. He's going to cheat on me. He's going to suffer emotionally, or he's going to explode or spontaneously combust or whatever she believes. Mm-hmm. There's just this fear that if she doesn't do this, something bad will happen. Yeah. And I can't think of a worse setup for feeling unsafe. No, if you're feeling, anytime you're feeling, you're doing something because you're afraid if you don't do it, something will happen, or you're afraid if you do do it, something will happen. When we're making conscious choices based in the emotion of fear, that's not a good thing. No. That's just not healthy. And there's a sense in what you're saying that, The wife then in this particular scenario has some ability to control her husband's choices and that's just false. She doesn't have control over that, right? So in that dynamic, there are a lot of unhealthy thoughts that that woman particularly would, would be having. But to integrate your sexual part of you and celebrate the fact that you have all kinds, we have tertiary, secondary, primary erogenous zones, both men and women that most people don't know about. And are we exploring and understanding the pleasure that we're able to give and receive in marriage? I think most people don't claim the joy that they have right in front of them. Living beneath our privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're doing sex as a transaction or as a way to control or a way to manage fear, you're really cut off from those experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You're just, you're, you're so outcome focused. You're so focused on trying to stop something from happening or trying to create something to make something happen that you really are almost disembodied. Like you're not really in your own experience anymore. You're not, you're not a sexual being anymore. You're really just, well, I don't know what you'd call it. You're just almost kind of a puppet. Like a puppet. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're like, oh, wow, that sounds like me. Well, here's your permission slip. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like this. And, and you, can, no. you can stop it and you can say, you know what, to your partner, let's push pause on this for a minute. I'm not having a good experience or this isn't what I want or what I signed up for, or what I think it's what we can do. I think we're cheating ourselves out of something really beautiful. And I don't want to participate in that more anymore. And you don't have to participate in it in that way. Right. Absolutely not. And um if you can get comfortable with the idea that you are born and created as a sexual being mm-hmm. and that can receive and give pleasure, I think embracing that knowledge 
is half the problem. Wow. You can really get on board with the idea that this is good, that sexual desire, arousal is good, and that when we have feelings like that, we shouldn't feel ashamed. It's normal and natural and good. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that that's like our factory standard, mm-hmm. right? That's like that's kind of how we come built from from God. Like that's right, absolutely. It's divine. It's beautiful. It's it's on purpose. But yeah, things get in the way of that, and you know, we society gets blamed a lot. I don't even know who society is, but right, we just talk about like <laughs> messages, cultural yeah. messages, whether it's in families or the media or even in in religious culture. There's a lot of harmful messages that I think are well-intentioned, but sometimes disconnect us from what you just described. Mm -hmm. What are some of the myths or some of the things that you see coming up? I mean, obviously in your class yesterday, you just named one, which is Mm -hmm. that I don't have a right to decide when someone enters me, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. where did that come from? Right. What, What are other myths that you see getting in the way of us really staying connected to our divine sexuality and feeling safe? Well, I, I, we've hit on some that we're that in our what we're doing, we're controlling someone else's choices or yeah. behavior. Anytime you feel like the way you are, you have to be responsible for someone else. I think that's a myth. I think the idea that you're going to get married and that sex is just going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a myth. Amazing sex takes time and a lot of really important communication. And Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, silence is not golden in the bedroom ever. <laughs> and so <laughs> coming to bed wholeheartedly with an, an idea that you can communicate and that this is going to take time to be really fantastic. That's why monogamous couples who've been together more than 12 years, the research right now is showing this is the population that's having the best set. I believe it. That's not what the media tells oh, us. Oh, no. Right? No, it's like... Yeah different partner every night. It's about intensity versus intimacy. It's about trying to just kind of like keep leveling up. And it's just, that's a, that's just, that's tolerance, right? That's almost like addiction. That's just, yeah. it's like, you're never going to get that. And a lot of people assume that, like you said, that being with the same person is so boring, but mm-hmm. I mean, I look, I look at the sexual intimacy, you know, 25 years ago, my wife and I were having versus what it's like now. And it's like, I'm like, who was that kid back then? Like, I didn't even know, you know, I I think the Indigo Girls described it. They, they have a line that says that, you know, intimate strangers, like you're just, mm-hmm. you're doing intimate things, but you're essentially, you don't really know. Like you said, you haven't embraced your own eroticism. You don't know what you like or don't like. And that gets discovered in the safety of this bond over the years. And that is not, you're not going to find that in a movie. Right. Or Never. a song. Never. So I think that's a big myth that I see happening a lot today. Um, yeah, I love that. The fact that there is always going to be some tension. And I don't mean as far as mm-hmm. tension, conflictual tension. But, you know, some sometimes you're disappointed. Sometimes your spouse is disappointed. Maybe you had hoped it had gone a different way. Um, right, right. There's always going to be a little bit of tension. Very rarely is it going to be fireworks for both of you, the same experience. And so recognizing that I think is important. Those are just a few things that come to the top of my mind. I love that. Allowing for some space for everybody to have their own individual experience that maybe isn't the same as yours. 
and they're not mm-hmm. going to be perfectly synchronized to where you're both orgasming at the exact same moment. Absolutely. And, right. There's just yeah. so many myths out there about how it's supposed to look. And then you, you throw pornography into the mix. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people think that they're going to learn what sex is really like from pornography. And it's like, no, you're not going to learn. No. You're actually going to unlearn a lot of things about healthy sex and pornography in the same way that Absolutely. you're going to try and learn how to be a, a spy from watching James Bond. It's just not going to happen. It's so yeah. different. Porn is not is not real sex. I mean, no. The wives are never going to be wet and ready twenty four seven, and hard and fast is never fulfilling for a woman. And what you're seeing and viewing in pornography is is not helping female sexuality by and large at all. I love that exactly. Exactly, it's it's very male centered, very misogynistic, and completely leaves out the other person's. It's not relational. No, exactly. Yeah. And so let's talk about, in terms of creating safety, like what individuals can do. And let's, I'd like to break it down, you know, for men. If you're going to be, you know, understanding men and men's bodies and men's tendencies and just, we're, and we're generalizing, of course, I, I recognize that right. when we start to split things up like this, it can feel a little bit stereotypical, but it's a starting point. And so in terms of just trying to describe, what would you say to men in terms of what they should be aware of in terms of creating safety? in a uh, in a sexual relationship? Hmm. That's a great question. I think first thing that comes to mind is the importance of the emotional awareness that your most women need to feel emotionally connected before they feel like sharing themselves sexually. And so being able to create a place of safety for your wife to enjoy the sexual experience you're longing for is going to require some of that emotional safety. Understanding that women need to be aroused before they have desire. That's completely different for men. Mm-hmm. Men see something usually visually, they're desi- they have desire, and then they become aroused. Those two are totally flipped between men and women. And so discover what it is your wife finds arousing. And it's fascinating to me what I what universally is arousing to women. One of the very top things is observing their husbands with their children. <laughs> and I think that's so fascinating because <laughs> that's not the number one arousing thing for men. <laughs> but um, so that. caring for your children, doing things that are things each woman will find different things arousing. Discover you only need to worry about one. Mm-hmm. discover what it is that she finds arousing and spend time doing those things. I know for me personally, when my husband massages my head or brushes my hair, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so, so I love that. Just and nurturing. So, yeah. So yeah. safe. I love that. And so find out what is, what creates feelings. And you might not even say the word arousal. You might want to say what, helps you feel really close to me? Mm -hmm. Or what things do I do that help you find me attractive? Those are kind of maybe questions that you can be asking and then focusing on doing those types of things. Recognizing men that when your wife uh, says she's tired, and I'm not saying that she says she's tired every single night. That's not what I'm pushing for. But when a woman feels tired, she's not turning you down. She might be turning you down right now, but she's not turning you down forever. And so creating a conversation around the idea that I'm tapped out. I've been with kids all day. I hear this all the time. 
I'm with my children all day. They're touching me all day. The last thing I want to do is have my husband touch me. My response to that is that sexual touch should be rejuvenating or replenishing. It should not be draining. Mm. So men, creating a space of safety for your wives is to discover what types of touch feel rejuvenating for your wife. And recognize when she's saying, I'm tapped out or I'm touched out or I'm tired tonight. By gently comforting her, holding her clothes, stroking her back, rubbing her feet, those types of things are exactly what she needs to feel safe to have sex with you. Right. Because that's definitely not the kind of touch she's getting from the two-year-old. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's and not nurturing touch. They're all about breasts. And so going right for her breasts isn't the best idea either. Right. Exactly. And like you said, there's, there's primary, secondary, tertiary erogenous zones. And, you know, again, most men, it's like, let me just go straight for the the three areas that I know are going to make, you know, they're going to turn him on, but you know, it's, it needs to be more indirect. And I, I love that. I, I have a couple thoughts on that, Tammy, like, and just as a guy, I I remember when Viagra first came out in the late nineties, I remember reading a, just some, some comment from a lady that said, you know, if they developed Viagra for women, it would increase blood flow to men's ears. Right. So, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to write that down. Isn't that great? I know. I've never forgotten that. And except, I mean, I have forgotten that when I've not been a good listener, but I certainly, I love the concept. And so it really is like, we get so focused on sexual organs and we get so focused on sexual play and sexual parts. And so much of it is indirect for women. And it's so indirect, in fact, that a lot of the times men can believe that like nothing's happening. Right. When, when in reality, a lot is happening. And that just as a man, like I, I've certainly had to trust that process and, and understand that it's about conditions. Mm-hmm. It's about conditions that make it easy for her to say, yeah, I, I could go there. I'm interested in that. And again, we don't see that in movies. We don't see that in pornography. No. It, there's not space and, and time and permission for women to like settle into this and, and wake themselves up sexually. It just takes... Mm-hmm takes a lot of uh, teamwork to do that. Yeah, a lot of good communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I think go ahead. for both men and women, creating s- safety for your partner in both genders, I think it's important to, to kind of assess where your sexual rules maybe have come from, where have your ideas around sexuality. Yeah. I think if you can get to the bottom of, understanding messages that you've received throughout your life regarding sexuality, and then determine if you really want that message to be involved with the decisions you're making within your bedroom. That's essential. Essential. Just last night in a class I was teaching for young married couples, we were talking about creating your own marital sexual playbook. And Mm. you have to do this work individually first. And I had a young man tell me he played sports through high school and Many of his teammates were sexually active. He was not. And what he heard in, he realized that a lot of his sexual rules or his understanding had come from guys on his athletic teams in high school. And he thought about this. He's been working on this all week to come to class yesterday. And he thought so much about it. And he realized, I would never want any of those guys to even help me with my homework. Why? I mean, this is a direct quote from a student last night. 
I wouldn't want them helping me with homework. Why am I letting them decide what I'm doing today, seven years later in my bedroom? Wow. Good for him. Yeah. Good for I him. I think that's such essential work yeah. is to decide, determine who you're going to let in your bedroom deciding your rules. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We don't even realize who our sexual teachers have been unless we stop and, and look at it, right. you know? especially for guys, because I think guys get bombarded with this more and we have more exposure to it from other guys and from media and guys are just learning this stuff all the time. And I think women too, I, women are learning yeah. sexual message too. But I, I just know in my own experience as a man that it's coming at us all the time, mm-hmm. all it the sure time. Is. My goodness. Sure so Tammy, another piece I just want to add real quick, because I know so much of my audience is, you know, again, dealing with betrayal and such. I think another piece of safety that probably goes without saying, but I just have to say it is there has to be full honesty, full transparency, right? Mm-hmm. A complete commitment to fidelity. No question in their in the your partner's mind about whether or not you're the only one. If you're again, if you're monogamous, and there just has to be that level of of security in place for your partner to relax. Now you still may be be having sex and you still may be engaging in sexual things, but in terms of increasing the amount of safety. Those things have to be in place if you want to experience ultimate freedom and safety. Absolutely. And that trust, Jeff, as you know, for those listening who have betrayed and those listening who have been betrayed, trust is earned ultimately through evidence that you have to see that this person is doing and saying what they say they're going to do and say. Right. And you have to do what it is you say you're going to do. And as you do those things, that safety, that trust rebuilds. Right. So all the things you were talking about before, if that foundation that we're discussing right now isn't in place, all that stuff's going to feel like manipulation. Absolutely. Thanks for clarifying that. Let's talk about women, what women need to be aware of to create sexual safety in the relationship. I think a lot of times women come with a list of that we feel like we have to do sex to please our husbands. Yeah. We feel like we're coming with a checklist sometimes of if I do this, this makes him happy. This, I mean, as women, we are ultimately caregivers in many ways. And sometimes we come to bed with the idea that we're now going to give this, this duty checklist or this caregiving to our husbands. Right. I think if we really want to create that playfulness and that safety in the bedroom, we need to just come with a, a full heart that will provide you safety emotionally yourself. If you know that you're not going to have to perform or do things in a certain way that you just can come and show up and be there present, you're creating safety for not only yourself, but for your husband as well. Yeah, that's so true. Also realizing that there's such pressure often on men to be masculine, to have, you know, to know the ins and outs of female sexuality. And that really just isn't true. Right. And so to provide safety for your husbands, let him understand that you're not expecting him to know how your body works. Often you need to learn how your body works so that you can help him understand how your body works. Beautiful. And having that time together where you are uh, particularly with the clitoris and the external and the internal clitoris, there is so much there that we haven't known was there, you know, until the last 10 to 15 years. There's just so much more pleasure that women can receive if they are aware of, of what is there and what's available to them. And then have a relationship and environment that you 
open up and let your husband learn about you and communicate with him about what does feel good and help him help you feel good. I think that is a dynamic that we really need to change. I love that. We really have to change that. Can I throw one out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about honesty? A lot of women, I think, because of that pressure to feel like they have to do sex, I think a lot of men will tell me that they feel like they don't really know she really wants to be there with them, mm-hmm. right? She says yes when she really means no. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and I'll ask guys, I'll say, so tell me, would you rather have a participating, engaged woman who wants you and wants to be with you and wants you connecting to her in this way, or just having someone who's just available and just willing to do it whenever, but just as pretty much just a warm body? Like 10 out of 10 guys, when they're really in a good space in their heart, they'll be like, oh my gosh, like it's, there's not even a question. I don't want sex. I want to be wanted. I want to know she's with me. Right. It has a deeper attachment meaning to it instead of just having a sexual experience. And so I think a lot of times women feel like they have to be dishonest because again, they have to do this or if they don't, whatever, but, but to really show up and be there fully honest, like you said, a full heart to be there. Maybe that's the same thing. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Yeah, for sure. And never fake pleasure. Faking pleasure, anytime we're faking something sexually with our partner, we're not showing up. And that's going to be detrimental mm-hmm. in the long run for both both of you. I think creating safety by letting your husband know what you appreciate about him. Mm. Most men are working so hard to try to care for and provide for and support wives and families. And a lot of times they just don't get the the compliments or the praise that that they might need an encouragement that they might need to feel to feel like you really do appreciate them and so i think that there's some safety that comes from verbally really specifically expressing what you're grateful for and the things you see him doing that you love those are things men need to hear as well mhm yeah that's beautiful and then i and then definitely another one that we've already talked about, and I'll just add back into the the mix here, is the very first thing we talked about, which is just taking ownership of when you feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, you creating safety is naming when you don't feel safe, as weird as that may sound. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Tammy, this is, there's so much here. I mean, you have another six hours we can talk. I mean, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions still, and I have so much I want to talk about with you. And we'll definitely have to have you back on. But I love um, that. Yeah, but this this whole idea of sexual safety, I love I love how you've expanded it and given really, hopefully, all of you listening can feel the permission to not just have to settle for doing sex, not just have to settle for kind of closing your eyes and getting it over with, or just feeling like you have to go through some kind of a routine, but really slowing it down and like you said, kind of deconstructing the messages about, you know, what were your rules about sex? How has media, pornography, family rules, cultural rules about sex impacted the way you think about it? Do you know your own body? What does it really mean mm-hmm. to be, have a full heart? I mean, there's so many great questions you've given us and, and ways to sort of explore this. And so this is definitely one I hope people will re-listen to and take good notes because there's a lot of great openings here on how to transform the safety in your couple's sexual relationship. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it's fantastic. So 
Yeah, Tammy, we'll have you back. But I'd love I'd love for people to know where they can find you. Okay. I'm TammyHill.com online. I have an Instagram account, Tammy underscore Hill underscore LMFT. I have a Live Your Why podcast on Apple and Spotify, and you are a guest on that this spring. I'm excited about that. I teach for two more years until I retire at Brigham Young University. And that's pretty much how people can find me. Yeah. And your your social media account is fantastic. You do some great stuff and Thank you're you. so helpful. I love, and I don't know how if you've done this recently, maybe because you're in the middle of school teaching and stuff, but sometimes you'll jump on and just answer questions. And and mm-hmm. you're one of the most succinct, clear like responders. Like you get on there and like you'll answer a really hard question in like 30 seconds or less. <laughs> and I really appreciate those. I learn a lot from them. They really help clarify my own thinking. So follow her on social media. She's she's got a lot of great stuff on there. Um, if you're looking for some great sexual health information, and it's and the other thing is that you're classy about it. It's not trashy. It's not disrespectful. It's comfortable for people that might feel a little bit uneasy around this topic. So I think you're doing a great yeah. job. Gosh, thanks. That means a lot. Thanks so much. All right, Tammy. Thanks for coming on, and I'll definitely have you back. Okay, my pleasure. Once again, you can learn more about Tammy and the great work that she's doing on her website, TammyHill.com. You can also find her on social media and she has a podcast, like we said, and I'll put links to all of those in the show notes so you can find her stuff easily. And she does have a new book coming out called Your Body and the Plan of Happiness that will be finished next year. So some exciting things coming from Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. Absolutely, I'm going to have you back on the podcast. I just think my listeners are going to love hearing from you again. I certainly will. And I'm just grateful you're out there doing such great work. And as always, thank you. I thank you every single time. I really mean it. I love the feedback. I love hearing from you. I love knowing that this stuff is making a difference in your life and that you can do something different to make your life better and your relationships better. You can find me on my website, fromcrisistoconnection.com. I've got access to lots of cool stuff, online courses on rebuilding trust, I'm in the middle of working on a a huge course on betrayal trauma, excited to share that with all of you soon. And also looking at building community and connection for couples in recovery. And there's just so many great things I want to offer to my community. There's just a lot of needs and a need for good information and good resources. So stay tuned, follow me on my email list. I've got a link to that in the show notes. So you can stay in touch with the things I've got going on to help you and support you in your journey. And then of course, if you wanna go to my website, I've got past episodes of this podcast. I've had some great guests. We're hundreds, we're over a hundred episodes into this podcast and we've had some cool topics. So dig through them and, and see what you can find because I bet there's things in there that will really help you in your relationships. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening and I look forward to hanging out with you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.